If you would turn to Psalm 46 this morning. Psalm 46. Because of some uh, reading that I've been doing recently, um, it encouraged me to get down to this psalm for this morning. Psalm 46. And I'm going to start with you by looking at verse 10. You notice that it says, and the exhortation is there, be still and know that I am God. Very important. Very important, challenging verse in this psalm. Now, the book that I've been reading in is called The Digital Invasion. And it talks about how much of the modern uh, technological things that we have really can dig into our lives more than we even can anticipate. And um, the writers are believers. They're very equipped to do this, both of them. One's a man, one's a woman. And uh, they say things like this in the book, the digital invasion. Uh, We cannot ignore the Bible's invitation to be still. God calls us to lie down in green pastures, and he leads us beside still waters. But our digital world does the exact opposite, keeping us wired most of the time. In effect, there is a flooding of adrenaline, and then we become too tense to really connect with God and experience his peace. The fact is that God has built in us the need to be still. Every part of our body, especially our brain, has a need for being at rest. They also say this, and they've done a lot of research, and it's good. Digital technology has a good side, certainly, but it also has a dark side. Increasingly, digital overuse is already harming parts of our physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual health. In fact, here's their conclusion. The digital world has literally robbed us of our God space. You can disagree with them if you want. But their point is, for many, many people, the phone and the technology that we use can literally take away God's time and put high priority on technical usage and uh, all the things that we get as a result of that. Very interesting. In fact, um, you'll notice again, the writer of Psalm 46 says, if we really want to know who God is, we have to learn to get quiet before him. We have to learn to, to listen. Uh, we have to learn to uh, read his word and allow the word of God to uh, have an impact upon our hearts and our lives. Very, very important. Psalm 46 is a beautiful psalm. In fact, it begins with a verse that probably should be memorized, and that's 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Now, most people have heard that Psalm 46 is the basis of that hymn that we sing in our hymnals called, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's a great hymn written by Martin Luther. And he knew what it was like 
to experience a lot of um, battle from even those in the spiritual realm. When he would say the just shall live by faith, Jesus is the only Savior. He experienced a whole lot of tension and problems and trouble. Some of you know his background. And so he sat down one day based on Psalm 46, and he wrote, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. The historical background for this psalm is probably God's deliverance of Jerusalem from the Assyrians. And we're going to look at this again in just a moment or two. Uh, the Assyrians during the reign of King Hezekiah. Uh, that's the, probably the background for the writing of this very beautiful psalm. You will notice also in the psalm there are a lot of uh, pronouns, personal pronouns. God is our refuge. Uh, the Lord of hosts is with us. And um, the psalms, of course, were written to be sung in times of worship. And this psalm especially uh, carries with it the idea that we can worship God. We can be encouraged knowing how awesome he is. It was beautiful that they played how great thou art before we look at this psalm together. Worship and encouragement comes out of Psalm 46. Now, uh, the, the main idea in the psalm, of course, is this. God's people are safe and secure under his mighty protection. And we can, we can, we can bank on that. Um, yes, there are times when we experience trials, and we're going to see how this psalm works into that. We are not exempt from trials and concerns and physical needs that come up in our lives. But that does not negate the truth of the fact that God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in time of trouble. I like to glance at the time. If you'll let your eyes look at your text of Scripture, verses 1 through 3, he's going to talk about the protection of God. And by the way, you have it. We have it. You would say, well, there's times that I don't feel the protection of God. That's not the issue. The issue is, are you God's child? If so, he is watching over you. Do Christians get out of fellowship with the Lord? Certainly they do. And when Christians get out of fellowship with the Lord, other things can happen in the life. But still you're under the protective hand of God. Protection from God, verses 1 through 3. The presence of the Lord he talks about in verses 4 and 5. City of Jerusalem, God is in the midst of her. The power of God in verses 6 through 8. He brings destruction on the world. And there, are, uh, there is what's called the near view and the far view of this psalm. The near view is praising God for what he has done, specifically in the day of Hezekiah. The far view looks ahead to the time when there will be tremendous judgment on the earth. We won't be here, by the way, I believe, during the tribulation period future from today seven years of judgment on the earth revelation chapter 6 through 19 if you know jesus your savior you're going up before that but there will be tremendous judgment on the earth and then christ comes down and there will be the millennial kingdom and he brings peace and righteousness and justice to the earth the second coming of christ so there are those who feel that there's a reference again in this whole psalm to future events he makes wars to cease, verse 9. And then uh, praise to God is found in verses 10 and 11, where it says that God will be exalted in the earth. And again, when the millennial kingdom starts, when Christ ends the battle of Armageddon and brings peace to the earth, uh, the word of God says in Isaiah chapter 11, 
For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So uh, it's a very absolutely beautiful psalm uh, that it should be a constant encouragement to us as believers. Now when you look at verse 1, you will notice that there are two kinds of help that are mentioned. You'll notice it says God is our refuge and he is our strength. He's a stronghold, a refuge, a stronghold. He shields us from what, sometimes he, he shields us from what is going on around us. So sometimes we have the testimony of Psalm 91, where the psalmist said, A thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand shall fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see that the wicked will be punished. So sometimes God shields us from what's going on. But other times, you'll notice it says God is our refuge and strength. There are other times when we are afflicted, when we experience suffering, perhaps because of our faith. And it's at that time where we can say, if we're going through trials, that God is our help. And he gives us the strength to go through things that are very difficult, even as we heard testimony this morning. You know, this psalm is beautiful. It, it really is. Uh, missionary and Christian writer Elizabeth Elliot, some of you have heard of her, uh, allowed this psalm to really speak to the needs of her life. You see, she was married two times. Her first husband died, then her second husband died. It was very difficult. Her first husband was Jim Elliot, who uh, was killed by trying to reach the Alka Indians in Ecuador. And uh, he was killed by the uh, uh, Ecuadorian Indians. Her second husband died of cancer. Uh, she had great ministry, but she went through times of real trial. And uh, she, she went to the psalm, and she said, Everything that seemed to be dependable to me, I started reading the psalm. It seemed like the, the, the mountains were falling and the earth was being shaken. And uh, she went on to say that it was wonderful to see and to know that God was not shaken. She said, quote, The thing most helpful or needful for me was to heed what the psalmist counseled me to do, and that was to be still and know that I am God. In other words, she said, in the midst of her her grief and her sorrows she knew that God wasn't shaken and she got into the presence of the Lord and she said even through this psalm God ministered to her heart she got quiet before the Lord and yes there's all things kinds of things happening around her but God ministered to her God is our refuge and strength a present help in trouble therefore we will not fear <clears throat> very important so why does the psalmist write this psalm? He's writing this psalm because <clears throat> he says this. <clears throat> if God could save Hezekiah, and we're going to look at this in just a minute, when the armies of his enemy were circling around the city of Jerusalem, if God could take care of Hezekiah in that situation, surely he can help me with my problems. 
What a conclusion. Well, let's take a look at these. You'll keep your hand there. Go over to 2 Kings. I love to look at these passages. 2 Kings 19. We're just going to glance. Just going to pull a glance. Look how the Lord uh, delivered King Hezekiah. 2 Kings chapter 19. And we will pick it up. Actually, there's a lot of reading we could do in the chapter, but we're going to pick it up in verse 32. 2 Look at this beautiful, beautiful passage that probably is the basis of the psalm that we're looking at. In fact, probably Hezekiah wrote the Psalm 46. Verse 32. Um, Hezekiah and the people, God's people are surrounded in the city of Jerusalem. And we read, thus says the Lord, verse 32, 2 Kings 19.32, concerning the king of um, Assyria, Sennacherib. All right, watch this now. <clears throat> the Lord says, He shall not come into this city, your city. He's not even going to shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with a shield, nor build a siege mound against it. Yeah, they were out there. He's not going to do those things. And by the way he came, Sennacherib, he shall return. He shall not come into this city, says the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake. And remember, he made promises to David, didn't he? For my servant David's sake. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people rose in the morning, there were corpses. There were the corpses and they were all dead. And what happened to Sennacherib? Well, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, who, by the way, sent a letter to um, Hezekiah and said, don't think that your God's going to take care of you. You know, anytime you hear something about, I don't know if God can do this, that, or the other, we have to line it up with Scripture. If God be for us, boy, that is so important to know. So important to know. So let's see what happened to Sennacherib. So Sennacherib, Kim and Assyria, departed and went away and returned home, remained at Nineveh. Now it came to pass that Sennacherib was worshiping in the temple of Nisroch, his god, that his sons struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. So see, did God take care of his people? He surely did. How awesome. How awesome. And that's the background again to this psalm. Let's keep looking at it for a few minutes together. Uh, first of all, the psalmist is referring to God as a refuge. God is our refuge, our place of safety. Many, many of you probably have heard in times past, not too long ago, <clears throat> that at the White House in Washington, there was quite some construction going on. And... Uh, the construction was due to the fact that the, by the west wing or at the west wing or beneath the west wing, they were building a new super bunker that was able that will be actually able to survive any doomsday attack on our country. It's supposed to be a bunker that's so secure that a, a nuclear, biological, chemical, or even radiological warfare will not take the life of the president. Well, you know, we'd have to think that through a little bit. Can that bunker be that good? 
Who knows? The interesting thing is, while we might come to the conclusion, there is probably no place on earth that is ultimately safe. You and I as believers are safe in the hands of the Lord. That is very important to understand. And, and when things happen in our world and around us that we don't like, we realize that we're in the hands of the Lord and He promises to be our refuge and our strength. And quickly, I'd like for us to notice some of the ways refuge is used in the Psalms. Uh, one of our Sunday school classes going through the Psalms. Uh, it, it's beautiful. There are a number of images um, I'm going to mention them just briefly. First of all, God is our refuge. He's like a rock. Psalm 18:2. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. Psalm 71, verse 3. Be my rock of refuge, Lord. I will always go to you. Remember King David when he was running from Saul, uh, when Saul... The current king, even though David had been chosen to be the next king, uh, he would. Saul tried to take his life. He would go out into the Judean wilderness and go into the caves and the hills there. And uh, it, it's beautiful. The account of Scripture uh, tells us he he found safety and God was with him. Uh, he was like a rock uh, of stability under David's life. And uh, we have sung together, and we probably haven't thought a lot about it. But in times past, remember, we used to sing, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in you. Our God is like a rock taking care of us. He's also like a shield. Psalm 18, verse 30, the Lord of the, uh, the word of the Lord, rather, is flawless. He is a shield to those who trust in him. Psalm 119, verse 114, you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in you. And of course, back in biblical times, when men went into war, uh, they would uh, sometimes literally stand behind shields uh, to deflect the arrows, stones, or spears of the enemy. That's what the psalmist is saying. That's what the Lord is like to us. He is like a shield wrapped around us. What, what encouragement. Thirdly, uh, God is our refuge like a strong tower. Um, Psalm 61.3, the psalmist said, For you, Lord, have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. Back in biblical times, they would build these towers that they could go up in and watch to see if the enemy was coming. They often were built to uh, pre protect their fields, um, their vineyards. And they were strong. They were made of stone. And the psalmist said, Lord, you're our strong tower. In fact, some of you know this verse so very well. It's Proverbs 18.10, which says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they're safe. Wow. It's awesome. It really is. Because sometimes, you see, you and I have to go into situations where you say, Lord, I really need your protection. Uh, somebody in our church fellowship just mentioned um, yesterday or the day before, uh, that they went out in their car and they were in the parking lot and they almost got hit three times. Three times. Why not just once? It's good the Lord's protection was there, right? Uh, one more, real quickly. God is our refuge like wings. Psalm 57, verse 1. For my soul trusts in you and, I, and in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. 
And see, Jesus used that same illustration when he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you uh, together like my children, like a hen gathers its chicks under her wings. But you wouldn't do it. But, you know, that's not us. <laughs> we are those who say, Lord, uh, we realize you want to protect us. And when we stay in fellowship with you, it's amazing the, the protection that we can experience. Very quickly, you'll notice also he's not only uh, like a refuge for us, um, he's a river. And you say, wow, where's that? Verse 4, there's a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. I am one who enjoys rivers. Uh, I like to see them. In fact, it really bothers me when these highway departments uh, put big walls up so you can't even look down and see the river that's there. They should have been made out of glass. Yeah, that's the way I look at it. But anyway, rivers. People enjoy rivers. People enjoy picnicking by lakes and rivers. Why? Because God's the creator. There's something about it. Uh, to be able to look out on the ocean or to be look out on the lake or to be able to look at a river that's flowing by. How awesome. There are great uh, rivers in the great cities of our world. In London, it's the Thames. In Paris, it's the Seine. In Cairo, it's the Nile. And in Washington, it's the Potomac. And there they are. But you know, Jerusalem, when this psalm was written, even though today people say, well, Jerusalem doesn't have a river. Maybe it did. Maybe it did. Let me do this with you. There are some who say, well, just take that verse and apply it to the future when uh, the river flows from God will be in the, the new Jerusalem in heaven. That's interesting. However, I believe it's referring back to the time when King Hezekiah realized that Jerusalem would be surrounded by the armies that were coming against it. And it says in Second Chronicles, he blocked the upper outlet of the Gihon Spring and channeled the water down to the west side of the city of David. So uh, actually, Hezekiah built a tunnel to bring a river <laughs> into the city of Jerusalem. And that river was discovered, or that tunnel was discovered in 1838. Very interesting. But you know, look what he's saying. There's a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. And certainly for in Hezekiah's day, wow, this was awesome. They weren't going to be cut off from any supply of water because Hezekiah did a, a, a miraculous thing in today's world uh, with what they had in that day and allowed the water to come into the city. The psalmist said elsewhere, all my springs are in you, Lord. And that's true. Just like water refreshes the body. Like we, we need it to, to um, be sustained. We need water. We need food. Likewise, God is the one who sustains us. In fact, you could put it this way. Based on what the Lord Jesus said to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Remember Jesus said, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. You know what the idea is there? That the Lord Jesus is the only one who can meet our 
critical inner needs. And that's why not only the psalmist, but in other portions of God's word, Jesus our Savior is likened to the water of life. We need him. We know what he can do for us. But we have to be in fellowship with him. We have to be communicating with him. We have to understand that he is our refuge and our strength and meets the inner needs of our lives. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. God makes us glad through his continuous presence in our lives, for his continuous supplying of our needs through Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember we mentioned again, If we're going to experience this blessing of God, this protection of God, this sustenance of God, we have to be honoring Him. The Lord said clearly to Eli in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. Don't miss this. We're coming away and we're saying, God is our refuge and strength, and He is going to take care of us. And He will, as long as we honor Him and strive to do His will, Give him the place that he deserves in our lives. If not, yeah, trials can come. They can. But you know what the Lord said to um, Eli's sons? 1 Samuel 2, verse 30, it says, Those who honor me, I will honor. And that's why it's so important for us to honor our Lord and to give testimony of his goodness in our lives. And if you honor the Lord... If you give him the place he deserves in your life, it is amazing how God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. He will be with you. He really will. Uh, The last thing I want to mention is he's not only a refuge and like a river to us, but he is a ruler. In fact, we can't miss verse 11. It's right at the end of the, the chapter. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The Lord of hosts. The Lord of the armies of heaven. Who are the armies of heaven? The armies of heaven are the angels of God. And uh, the psalmist is saying, you need to be encouraged that the one who controls all the angels of God, the Lord, he is with you. Um, He is there to uh, protect you. Uh, One of the clearest examples of this is in 2 Kings chapter 6. Remember Elijah, uh, pardon me, I get Elijah and Elisha once in a while mixed up. I know who they are. I haven't seen them yet, but I know who they are. Elisha and the armies of Syria were surrounding Dotham, the city in which Elisha was. The armies were completely surrounding the city, the Elisha's servant woke up in the morning and looked out and he said, whoa, you know, look at this. You know, we've had it. <laughs> what, what are we going to do? Oh, my Lord, what shall I do? What shall we do? And Elisha said, don't miss this, please. Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and he said, Lord, open his eyes that I may see then." Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain around them was full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. Was God going to take care of Elisha? You better believe it. The angels did. Now look, you've heard people say, every believer has a guardian angel. Right? You've heard that, right? And some of you say, I need two. 
We do. We really do have a guardian angel, Matthew 25. And um, the amazing thing is, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Sometimes there are a lot of things surrounding us, but we need to remember that the one we worship is the God of the hosts of heaven. Do you see that in the last verse? It says, the Lord of the armies of heaven is with us. And then lastly, (laughs) this one's a beauty. Uh, The God of Jacob is our refuge. Jacob was a very interesting individual. It took him his whole lifetime to get to the place where he could see that God is to be loved and worshipped and adored. He did a lot of scheming in his life, remember? Remember the life of um, uh, Jacob? And so the writer of the psalm says, look, the God who worked with Jacob, and it took Jacob a number of years to get to really the place where he really loved and found devotion for the Lord. It came, and that same God who was faithful and patient with jo- uh, Jacob, rather, is faithful and patient with you and me as well. He is an awesome and wonderful God. The God of Jacob is our God as well. So the last verse says, The Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our refuge. You know, um, we started out by talking about Elizabeth Elliot, who had some real difficult times in her life, some times and situations which people would say, can't understand why these things happened. You know, probably you and I have said that sometime. Can't understand why the Lord allowed this to happen. But you know what we need to remember? Psalm 46.1. I would say if you're back into memorizing Scripture, put it on a 3 by 5 card. Put it on the refrigerator because you go there every day, right? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of need. And the writers of the book of the um, digital invasion said this. Don't let the digital world, the time that you have with the technical things, the technology, don't let that crowd out your time when you can be alone with your God in his word and you can really understand because the psalmist said, be still. And know that I am God. Awesome God. Let's pray together.